Yeah. This is the Great Debates. This is right. it. Hi, this guys. Is this is the Great Debates. We're going to do a debate. And I'm going to get us started here. I've got four minutes on the clock. Here's the thing. A little bit of a twist. This episode, we're going to do something different. We're doing Dave King Pro on Dave King Brigham's, which means that these are King Tops and King is taking the pro. All right? Right. Most Dave. weeks, Dave doesn't do his homework. He doesn't do any tops. I have to do all the tops. So that's a twist. I'm Steve Healy. I'll be taking the con today. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, that's not really true. I mean, whatever. Let's get huh? into the debate. Do you want to debate I, that first? No, I want okay. to get into it. All right, let's go. Okay. Four minutes on the clock. Dave King taking the pro. Everyone should work on his or her signature. I'm Dave King. I'm taking the pro. Everyone should work on his or her signature. It's a point of personal pride, and it's something that you're going to do over and over again in your life. It also suggests that everyone, to some extent, is an artist, and they should be proud of whatever it is that they've created. And so even if you're just practicing it for those times when you sign at the grocery store or when you inscribe a card to someone or something like that, there's no harm in practice. In fact, not only is there no harm in, but it's good to put a little bit of practice into it, show some character. This doesn't mean that you constantly need to be working on it or improving it, but everyone should have worked on it or work on it a little bit so that it looks presentable. It has It's a somehow a reflection of you, because if it isn't, then is it really a signature at all? I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the con. Your signature has never been less important. It's been degraded by technological uh, innovations like those pads you have to sign at the coffee shop. At this point, you just sign up and down with your finger. No one really signs checks anymore. Documents are signed by DocuSign. Contracts don't involve your signature. Your, your signature couldn't matter less uh, yes, in some sense, uh, Dave's strongest argument, I think, was everyone's an artist and everything you do should blah, 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 reflect your art. Yeah, maybe, but I, I, everyone should work on drawing a bird or drawing a cool little um, That's right. caricature of your friend or That's something like that. That's a good like idea, that. too. Your signature is... Those are good ideas. We've reverted back in society to basically just making a mark. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. We're past signature. It doesn't matter. No one checks it. Could not be less important. Um, the signature is irrelevant. It's an artifact. It's the I feel like I'm channeling Dave here, actually. It's an one anachronism. It's something Dave from the if past. One wants to survive it's the con. Absolutely. It's you're really useless. rambling here in your opening statement. All of the things that you've mentioned about it being, um, you know, sort of an archaic form. These are all only relevant to things that are like transactional and not actually a represent a representation of one's identity, such as the aforementioned, let's say, birthday card or a work of art or a person requesting you for a signature. Even if that happens, even if you're not a famous person. Or for those really important moments in life, like signing, let's say, the first mortgage you ever get. You need to sign something oh 40 times. Oh, my God. Your mortgage. That's the least good use of your time is perfecting your signature on your mortgage, a document that's going to go to a bank and be disposed of and well, never that, looked at again. Whatever now, it is Dave, that Dave has brought up one to, use it case. It might be He's important brought up one to, use case, mm -hmm. a birthday card. 
where I think it would be much better to draw a nice little cartoon of your friend. It's a great or thing a to do, too. Or a little cartoon. Dave, I remember Dave back in college, he had a little uh, character he used to draw uh, sometimes on things he had to sign. It was a little uh, dinosaur or something. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. I mean, that was cool. It's not a signature. It was a little icon or a sort of stamp. It was, yeah, and I exactly. think that's, everyone should indulge that, but it's not, that wasn't your name written in cursive, which is even in the most liberal definition, what your signature is. If you want to come up with a little character that represents you, a little icon, a little emoji, that's cool. That's you're fun. Basically I, I would saying encourage you that. Should work. Here's what you're saying, Healy. No, you basically not, said Dave. everyone should work on their signature, and if that includes a little caricature, that's fine, Dave? too. Most no, people can't draw. I can't name. draw. And so a, a lot of people is your represent name themselves. Uh, we've had it with that. We don't need it. We've uh, it's been invalidated by society. Uh, it hasn't caught up with uh, technology. So for some reason, you still have to make a little mark when you sign for a four dollar coffee. But the fact uh, that you don't have time. To, the fact that you working don't have to use your as much as you did doesn't mean that it's Spend not a good thing to crypto. be working on. Spend that time learning crypto. He throws yeah. in at the end. What? Oh man, crypto! Yeah, gross. Buzzer Your bump beer. Is, that was cool. <laughs> oh. You know that was cool, and you're bumped. No, what? <laughs> oh. Heels. I mean, I I hate to say it, but I think Healy was sort of dominant in this yeah. debate. Yeah, he was. I'll, I respect that. I acknowledge that. I don't like Con Healy. I, now, look, let me say this also. I don't love Pro Dave, right. but there, Con Healy is not a color that I am nasty. used to seeing. It, there's a nastiness there. <laughs> I want to get ahead of this. Uh, I, I <laughs> did drink three beers before oh. the debate. A friend of mine was visiting from out of town. He, we went to watch the Celtics game. Okay. And so I'm coming in white hot. Uh, That's. I think this is... That's a great posture to enter to pro Dave. Yeah, Dave I think Brams. he. That, that, uh, yeah, I'm running behind here. I'm drinking my first uh, cold Bud Light of the night, mm. and I don't mm. quite have it coursing through my veins yet. Um, <laughs> and look, I'm usually fueled by negativity, and I don't have that tonight. And it's gonna it's gonna hurt me. I won't lie. Let's see if you can find the you can plug in on positivity. Maybe it'll happen. I'm rooting for you, Dave. <laughs> no, well, thanks so much. For me, I, what the positive takeaway was remembering Dave's little sig- character from his signature from oh, yeah. TJ. Many, many years ago, which you yeah. know I. I, I, I was just drawing him today on a, uh, we had a table read and I, that I was just sitting with the script for a few hours and I started drawing him. I think we're the first time in a long time. He comes back from time to time. It's really That's... been drawn him since my Hebrew school days. My old Hebrew wow. school workbooks are filled with images wow. of him. It's really, I'm a terrible artist, but <sighs> what are you going to do? Are we in do? host chat a little bit? Yeah, we're in host yeah. chat, Healy. What do you think? Bit. We're talking you know, about Hebrew school. He, you mentioned Hebrew school, yeah. actually. I, it was funny because I've been listening to Bob Dylan's newest record. I think it's his newest one. Rough and Rowdy Ways. Bob Dylan, pretty weird uh, record. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a song about, I think it's about eight minutes long, called Key West. Mm-hmm. And there's a lyric in there where he says... Uh, 12 years old, they put me in a suit, made me marry a prostitute. 
kind of comes out of nowhere. He's talking mm. about the geography of Key West. And I was like, okay, whatever. Looked up the song on Wikipedia. And some scholar or another was postulating that Dylan there was referring to his own bar mitzvah. Hmm. Put me in a suit of 12 year olds, made me marry a prostitute. And then he actually says like, but that's not the end of the story. I'm not getting the lyric right here, but something like, I still think she's cute. We're still in touch. Something like that. And they were talking, the, the, the scholar was hypothesizing that's Dylan's relationship to Judaism. That feels Stop. like a stretch there. I mean, was Dylan even bar mitzvah? Do we know? No idea. And actually, yeah. my, reading the Wikipedia, <laughs> like if you, when you read an interview with Bob Dylan, people are, are always like, did you mean this? Did you mean that? Right. And he's always like, stop it. That's right. not, that's not how songs work. Uh, it's not this it equals that, uh, knock it off. And yet people continue to, uh, do this sort of thing on Wikipedia. But anyway, so the, 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 the lady in the song is Judaism. That's what this guy was. Yeah. Here's, how, here's, he's yeah. singing about Key yeah. West and he goes, history street off Mallory square. Truman had his white house there referring, I guess to Truman had a, the winter white house in Key West. And he goes, okay, 12 years old, put me in a suit, made me marry a prostitute. And then he goes, but that's something like, that's not it. Story doesn't end there. We're still in touch. She's cute. Something like that. I'm unconvinced, but I, I like the theory. Right. You know what I mean? And that's why it's in host. That's great. It's where it belongs. Yep. Okay. Should we move on to our next, uh, enough next Dave pro. Yeah. I gotta do it again. Done with all that. Dave, bring him Dave pro. What do I have okay. to do now? Well, I've got another one that I am curious about more than anything. So I want to have Dave take the pro on this, mainly okay. so I can understand, you know, sort of what's behind the top. Okay. Uh, so Dave King taking the pro. The topic is Tom Hanks knows okay. what's for dinner. Okay, I'm Dave King. I'm taking the pro. Tom Hanks knows what's for dinner. Here's what this means. You go to Tom Hanks' house. You ask him, what are we having for dinner tonight? Tom Hanks knows what's for dinner. This is a guy who's, he's got a private chef. He's very much in control of his world. He probably has like more than, I don't know, maybe he has more than one private chef. I don't know what the lives of those people are like. But he's not going to sit down to a meal and not know what's going to be served to him. If you ask Tom Hanks what's for dinner tonight, Tom Hanks knows what's for dinner. End of opening statement. Okay, I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the con. There's no way Tom Hanks knows what's for dinner. First of all, he's an international movie star. He doesn't bother with details like that. He rolls with it. He accepts what's coming to him. He's very busy. He doesn't focus on dinner. Second of all, Tom Hanks has... Uh, a very interesting, uh, strong personality wife, Rita Wilson. I encourage you to watch her um, songs if you haven't seen them on YouTube. I think very often Tom Hanks gets home from a busy day at the office and Rita has concocted something for dinner uh, or assigned the private chefs to make something for dinner. I think that Tom Hanks is not the kind of guy who focuses on details like dinner. He focuses on making you feel comfortable and warm. He's got a funny remark. He has something witty to say. You ask him what's for dinner. He'll say something. I won't even attempt to come up with what Tom Hanks would say, but it's something that'll make you chuckle a little bit and won't give you an answer and you'll sit down and it'll be fine. But he does he know whether you're having... Um, 
uh, Chilean sea bass uh, with a mango reduction. Okay, and, you don't get uh, to be Tom Hanks. Okay, we're bored. He doesn't know. You don't, we get we get what food is. You don't get to be Tom Hanks by just rolling with it. This is not a guy who's just an actor. He's an actor, producer, director. He has his hands on every project that he's involved in. He's not the type of person who says, yeah, "I'll eat whatever uh, the chef wants to make tonight." If Rita Wilson, who I by the way, short fire sign that you are uh, losing a debate is when you encourage the listeners to just go ahead and check out some of Rita Wilson's songs on YouTube. So irrelevant to the debate. But regardless, if Rita Wilson has told the chefs, hey, here's what I think we should make for dinner tonight, Tom comes home. He and Rita are very close. He says, hey, oh, hey, what did you, uh, how was your day? What are we having for dinner? Oh, I told the chefs to make this. Oh, that sounds great. I love it. I'm going to ask them to also make this. That's the kind of relationship they have. Tom Hanks knows what's for dinner. He's not going to sit down to a meal where he doesn't know what's going on, even if you're going out to dinner with Tom Hanks. He's picked out a restaurant in advance, or his team has. He's decide, He's done this because he probably, by the way, has diet restrictions or, or some sort of health or eating restrictions, so he's only eating in certain places. This is a guy who's at the top of his physical game as well. He's a A-list actor, so he knows where you're going. He probably knows in advance what he's going to order. I, I mean, this is a guy who's a sort of rock on tour who likes to entertain. I bet if you're going out to eat with Tom Hanks, he'll have a recommendation for you about what you would like. He knows what's for dinner. That's the kind of guy he is. What is an actor's job? An actor's job is to react. An actor's job is to be truthful. An actor's job is to take direction. Uh, an actor's job is to be prepared, yes, but I don't think that applies to knowing what's coming for dinner. It's to be in the moment, to be present, to be aware of others and uh, responsive. But knowing what's for dinner is just not an important part of Tom Hanks' job. It's not an important part of his philosophy. It's really it's not an insulting part of who to me that you would try to pigeonhole and label Tom Hanks as just an actor. You and I both okay, know as a that writer, he's so as a far beyond that. It's uh, not that he's any of those things or jobs or careers. It's that this is a guy at the top of his game. This is a guy who has total awareness of everything. I mean, I could just as easily say, what's the job of an actor? It's to know the entire text. It's to be totally present. It's to not have any surprises in your world. It's to know exactly what's oh, going disagree. on at all times. Disagree. An actor's well, trying some actors to create who, those moments of surprise. Some of I think Tom Hanks deliberately doesn't know what's for dinner half the time so that he can have a moment of surprise reaction feel his genuine reaction at what it is look we're that's both where tom, that, he, that's what tom hanks he, gives he, admit, in a performance i admit that we're both speculating about this but i i believe that tom hanks it is far more likely is a creature of habit of comfort of i want to know what's going on i don't want surprises i have enough of those in my life my son is a lunatic embarrassing me on national tv i'd rat one of them at least i'd rather be in control of the things i I can control. Look at this guy. Look at the way he dresses. Look at the parts he chooses. Look at the lifestyle he leads. He's not known for being, you know, um, spontaneous and crazy and for creating surprises or for even for that matter, like living in the moment. This isn't a guy who has like a sort of a, what do you call it? Um, reputation like a Bill Murray or a Malkovich or one of your weirder actors. This is a down. I mean, there's a reason that this guy like represents, you know, successful 
successful people, middle of the road people who have achieved greatness. Those are the types of people who know what's for dinner and Tom Hanks knows what's for dinner. I bet Bill Murray more knows what's for dinner than Tom Hanks because he's pickier about it. And if he doesn't like what's coming for dinner, he's going to order something else. Well, this isn't I think a Tom debate Hanks about Bill Murray. Accepts the plate. Yeah, well, you brought him up, Dave. I think Tom Hanks takes what's coming for dinner rolls with it, makes the most of it, eats what he wants, uh, has a little joke to his dinner guests, uh, the person on his right, whoever it is, he's got something for it. That's the kind of guy he is. There's no evidence in Tom Hanks' life that he always knows what's coming for dinner, and there's ample evidence that he can take the surprise and roll with it and would indulge in that. Evidence. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (sighs) Medina, I don't know. I think... think I'm hearing the buzzer in my head, even if it hasn't yeah. gone off. <laughs> <laughs> Any I, thoughts? I, you know, Healy's going to give me a hard time about this, but I, I definitely, I, w- I w- felt more strongly with Dave's point of view Come than I did on. with Healy's, and mostly that's uh, mostly it's because Healy always feels bummed when he loses. He really does. But have you noticed that? Okay, sometimes I've, I I think this is not fair because sometimes Once I think I lose while, fair and square. Yeah. It, it happens. I do lose. I get a tough topic. I, I don't dig in. I, I Only when you get a tough topic. topic. On, this this one, on this one, <laughs> your Dave didn't present anything compelling. Well, if we just I don't started know. from the topic, we didn't get anywhere. Uh, we didn't move any. I, I presented some ideas. I think at like least. what, like what the act that the actor's job Dave, is uh, to. Tom Hanks' wife is a strong person. A, it, he are, okay, yes, yeah, strong willed. What because she sings He's a YouTube spontaneous videos? guy. His, his, I didn't, know, I didn't actor, know how to connect that with the, with the he, dinner. And what then did Dave the, give you? The whole part about the actor's job, I made a little note that looks like a spiral with an arrow pointing downwards oh, because God. I felt that it oh, I no. couldn't understand what it was where it was taking me. So anyway, I just want to say Dave that convinced I, there you was, that Tom Hanks knows what's for yeah, dinner. Yeah, he's okay. just like he convinced me that he's in touch with things and yeah, he's interested. Look, Medina continues his perfect record of evenly distributing wins and losses. Congrats! Was, yeah, now Listen every to listener, Healy's every, voice. It's just like, he's, like I said, it's I Con Healy. Yeah, Con Healy, man. Con <laughs> Healy, for <laughs> real. A little bit of host chat, if I may, on Tom Hanks, and I didn't yeah, know yeah. that we'd be doing this top, but I saw you know those like um, actors roundtables that they do that it's like the Hollywood reporter or some, one of those publications puts sure. together and um, like, they're kind of insufferable. Sometimes they're kind of interesting, but there was a thing that was like, um, it was going around like all of the social media platforms where they were like, Tom Hanks, what do you wish you had known when you were a younger actor? And his answer was, I wish I had known this too shall pass. You think you're having a tough time? You think you're not doing well? This too shall pass. You're going to be fine. You think you're on top of the world? You think you're doing great? This too shall pass. You know, like you're going to have some tough... I was like, this is the most hackneyed, obvious, like day one advice that has nothing to do with acting. Like you didn't, no one had, I don't know if it'd be so upset. You guys aren't responding to this at all. To me, it was like... 
that's not something that's helpful to young people is to say like, hey, here's something interesting. This too shall pass. Like, I guess people hear that and it helps them. But to me, it was like, yeah, everybody's heard that. And I'm going to stop talking. But anyway. So you were like looking for some precise like acting hack that was going to get you to. I just thought like this too shall pass is like. a secret like of the trade. So unspecific might... and so like, right. I, I don't know, like the whatever. I don't know. Why am I upset about this? I don't know. I was looking for, here's what it is. And this I found is a, a maybe we should edit this out because it's getting not that interesting. But I find Absolutely not. a repeating theme in my life is that <laughs> I get more upset at the audience than I do at the person performing. And like people were so laudatory about what Tom Hanks had to say. And it made, it's the same thing with magicians where I'm like, don't be impressed by this guy. He just read a book and he has a secret mirror. Like it fucking drives me nuts. So I'm not that upset at Tom Hanks. I'm upset at like the echo chamber on Instagram or whatever that keeps like reposting this dumb video. That's what it is. <sighs> I noticed you brought up magic in your uh, diatribe, and I know that magic is something that both <laughs> irritates you and yet you're somehow drawn to it. That's mm. true, but I'm mostly like repulsed by that. It, it, it is that I'm drawn. It's like a hate watch, I guess, for lack yes. of a better word for me, where uh. I'm like. God, this shit drives me crazy, and so I like want to get myself worked up. At of the uh, three of us, who has most recently seen a magic show or performance, like in person or on YouTube or whatever? I saw that one that everybody was going nuts for during the pandemic about two years ago. It was called uh, "Anywhere But Here" or something. Oh, in and of its oh, we can't. uh, That this is so. Dave also saw that. I saw it in and of itself. I've watched it twice, and I really. So Dave, I mean, my least, my least favorite piece of art, maybe of the last like fifty years. Go off, go off. I mean, I don't think it's going to be worth it. It's just so. What didn't you like? It's so emotionally manipulative. It's one thing to like convince a group of people that you've like that you actually can make a card. You know, invisibly travel into someone else's pocket, but to convince people that you like actually are able to intuit, which you know what I'm talking about—the thing at the end where they like ripped a thing off, and it's like I am whatever. Oh yeah, and it's like misfit. Yes, and he's convinced. Yeah. Architect, like we're something like that. Like everyone, I guess consciously or subconsciously understands that maybe there's a trick at play here, but that's not how it's performed. It's performed as if I'm looking to you into your eyes and I know exactly when the reality, we must have talked about this before on the podcast, but like, of course there's just like a PA who's uh, whispering this to him, you know, via a mic in his (gasps) ear or something. It's like, well, what's the reality that he's actually able to know. stare into people's souls? Are you revealing yeah, the I need to see secret Tim here? Gunn crying because this guy pretended to read his mind? It's bullshit. He just like that's that's um, emotional manipulation of Tim Gunn, who I gen you know usually really like, and I, the, shit just drives me crazy. And also, all that stuff about the Rulatista, I didn't understand what the actual point of it was. I thought the whole thing with like, did you see the elephant was lame when you actually saw the elephant? I don't know if you guys remember these details. Also, that thing where it's like, there's a gold brick on the corner of 55th and Lexington, but people are just walking by it. And it's all about, it's like, yeah, people walk by it because it looks 
dumb. It's not like a gold brick is actually that spectacular a thing that people should be expected to stop and look at. I I know these are like details that have probably come and gone <laughs> from your minds years ago, but like none of the like, can you believe it, man? Like none of that landed for me. And I actually found it pretty like grotesque. Yeah. I'm reminded here, okay, Dale Carnegie, you know, the guy, yeah. How to Win Friends and Influence, he used to give uh, public speaking classes and he would say like, you get a shy person who like uh, isn't very comfortable speaking in public, get, the prompt is give a speech about something that makes you angry and almost anyone mm. can give a pretty compelling speech oh, as good. you just did. You just gave a pretty interesting off the cuff speech uh, about something that, you know, the prompt was what makes you mad about magic and you went off. I guess I did. I found another go off. Go off Healy, is good public speaking advice. That's true. You taught me another good prompt for people, which I use regularly, which is oh. just, um, you may not even remember this. Maybe I just heard you ask it of someone, but like as just a sort of like in the course of normal conversation, just asking someone like, what surprised you most about that thing? What surprised you oh, most yeah. about? I, I I learned that one from that guy, Tyler Cowan. Okay, that, man, I, yeah. I, that's fantastic. I, it yeah. really, because it's another situation where people don't get as like worked up about it, but I'm always surprised and like delighted at how readily people have an answer. And sometimes it's something they haven't like processed fully, but they're like, you know what I didn't expect is this. And you'd think this, but it's actually, and you learn something, they kind of learn, it's, Great question. Always good. I remember talking to a dude who was an army ranger, and I was like, okay, well, as a civilian, what's something I wouldn't know about the military? And he said, how much people are reading? They're hmm. just, they have so much downtime. Interesting. They're reading like crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that. Okay, well, I'd we love... didn't come here to shoot the breeze and come up with prompts. <laughs> It'd be great to, Wait, like, no. for someone who, if someone for some reason only heard the last seven minutes of this podcast and then it was explained to them, like, this is a podcast where they debate <laughs> topics chosen over, they'd be like, no, it's not. It's just <laughs> one guy getting pissed about stuff <laughs> and then two other guys. <laughs> I think that's the Bud Light doing its work. <sighs> <sighs> Maybe. I'm sorry. I we should probably edit it out a no, lot of it. No, no, no. I like in. all that stuff. Yeah, it's <sighs> in. But it's let's in, take us right? out with a debate. Don't okay, you? yeah. I yeah, think so, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. Oh, boy. <clears throat> okay. Dave, one more to go okay. on your big week of Dave Pro, mm-hmm. Dave Brigham's. Mm-hmm. And I think that the only possible choice amongst your Brigham's <laughs> oh, no. is... Yeah. <laughs> is... Is oh whoa microphone down the the butt is shaped funny okay the butt is shaped funny I'm Dave King I'm taking the pro the butt makes us laugh it's round it's kind of doughy we're smiling just thinking about the shape of the butt it's it, it has two funny mounds they come in different sizes but the general shape of it actually almost looks like a smile when you think about it i mean how great is that what's funnier than the basic shape of like of sort of i'm trying to make a gesture of this but like a big 
Is that a convex, a, a water-holding, if you will, curve that looks like a smile, and then there's a crack going down the middle? The crack is funny. When you look at just the basic shape of a butt, it's round, It's it's got curves, it's funny, it's way funnier than things that are angular and sharp and linear, right? This is a thing that's circular, spherical, bubbly, doughy. There could be some cellulite there. That's kind of funny. The butt is shaped funny. Okay, I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the con. I think with Dave's argument, we had some fun, but it was all could fall under the fallacy of description equals proof. Uh, yes, the butt is round. Yes, the butt has two curves. Yes, the butt sometimes is doughy. It's all true, uh, but none of that is why the butt is funny. And the butt is funny, make no mistake. The butt is funny because at the middle of it, there's a hole that emits sound, <laughs> noise, oh my God. Uh, smell, and sometimes matter, and often in unpredictable ways and out-of-control ways. And when humans are in a situation where they are out of control, that creates comedy. Uh, that happens. And we find the butt funny because it's embarrassing and silly and surprising and ridiculous. Aside from that, if, if the, the butthole were sealed up completely, we would find the butt beautiful, which is what we do. The butt is beautiful. Despite the fact that it shoots out waste, we still find the butt beautiful. That's even more evidence that what the butt is is not funny at all, but beautiful and attractive. If you saw two mountains in nature that were shaped the way a butt is you would say there are two beautiful mountains with a beautiful valley in between them. It would be a striking feature of nature that would not be comedic at all. It would be attractive and appealing and uh, would draw your eye and probably draw your exploration. And in some sense, the butt replicates that uh, in microcosm. But there's nothing funny about the shape of the butt. Uh, uh the, there's something funny about the condition of having a butt and living in a human body where you have to expel stuff and it comes out of okay. this hole so you got there. So most of Healy's opening argument is just additive reasons that the butt is funny. Those are totally outside the purview of this debate. The question isn't, is the shape of the butt uh, no, the, the, question, the, the only question the topic, is: Yes, Dave. the butt is not shaped. The, is the butt funny? <clears throat> That's right. Is the butt and all of your, funny? all of your, th all, most of your opening no, statement no, was: No, my argument was the butt is shaped reason. beautifully. That was the part of it. Has that was part of it, but, but that's only not when the you, shape. Only when you turned the butt into mountains were you able to describe it as something beautiful. And by the way, I would actually suggest that if the topic were like two hills back to back with like a valley in between or shaped funny, I would make the same argument. That's a funny shape. There's and you know what I'd say? You know Why? Because look like a butt that's why you know what would be funny is if the if everything else in the human body were the same and then suddenly there was a perfect right angle that formed the butt that would be funny well, because might why be thing, is that the might one be place funnier, in the human body there might be funnier shapes than the right butt. angle there might be there might be butt shapes that could be funnier than the current butt shape but the current butt shape that we have is funny. It's It makes you laugh. I mean, all of these things you said about, by the way, about like the butthole is the reason that the butt is funny. I don't think so. I think like you, people laugh at butts even without even seeing the butthole. Like people mooning people tends to get a laugh. An unexpected Dave. butt tends to get a laugh. I'm not saying like what? You know that part of that is connected to the fact that, that we know that's the place where the sh poop comes out of. 
Also, uh, you sit I on the butt, that and that's is. kind of funny. It's a, it's, it's the most degraded position on the body because we're using it to sit on. None of that is related to the shape. The shape is gorgeous, uh, compelling, and attractive, okay, well, and beautiful. That may be true. All of those are contrary to funniness. I don't think so. I don't think things that are beautiful are necessarily not funny. And I, in fact, I no, think it can go. It can go together, absolutely. but it's not. They're and not. It, they don't and it does, especially in the case of the butt. Also, a lot of butts are not beautiful. I mean, like the average human butt is not like you know the butt of a supermodel. It's the okay, butt I'll of give you like that. the average yeah. human butt is sad. You're right because at least the see ever average American. No, it's butt like is sad that's because not it's sad. Obese. It's like dumpy. It's, like it's funny. It's like painful. Yeah, it's it's by the way, it also has like little prickly hairs on it. That's funny. People like it's, to like if you want to draw a funny shape, you draw a butt. If I were going to tell you draw the funniest shape on the human body, I think a lot of people would draw a butt. I mean, what are even the other nominees for that? What are even the other nominees for funniest shapes? If not like two tushy fesses and a little like smiley face that that <laughs> underneath it. That's funny. It's where the back meets your leg. Legs. What is it even doing there? It's kind of like a nether region. No one really, you know, it's If it's I funny. asked you to draw the most beautiful place on the human body, I think a lot of people would draw the, the brain. curvaceous, the, the brain. curve of the butt. Okay. Well, the brain is shaped. Yeah, like, you might I be think. right, Healy, but it's none funny of that, that all your thoughts come from the... this crinkly little mush, looks like a sponge that's inside your skull. Right, but, that's funny. But the, again, and the skull, I think the skull is much funnier than the butt. It's funny to see a skull and be like, that used to be somebody's head was in there. That's weird. I Okay, I don't think most people would find that funny. I think they'd find that somber and morose. And I think you're proving that you're a bad a judge scary. of what shapes, what anatomical shapes are funny <laughs> by the fact that you say the skull is the funny. Nose I think you've become like I an mean, untrustworthy I think if you're drawing narrator a funny of shape, you draw human a funny shapes. Nose. Yeah, you might draw a nose, sure. Okay, and why is that, Healy? Because it's got two circles on it where the nostrils are. It's round. It eh. sticks out from the body. That's no. funny. That's part of why the shape of the butt is funny. It has a lot in common with the butt. I'm glad you brought up the nose. It's circular. It's funny. roundish. The mouth can be very funny. The boobs can well, be funny. Who's got the funniest mouth you've ever seen? Like, who's, when have you ever seen a mouth? Andy Samberg? Like, I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, he uses it in a funny way, but the natural but shape of his mouth. he has a big, long, like, weird, like, he has a... Uh, okay, great. Unusually... You're right. He has a big, long, yeah. kind of smiley and line. And it's funny. The it way the butt, the way yes. where the butt meets the legs, there's a big... Face. Yes, it's expressive. It's, That's imagine a great point, Andy. The butt is expressive, believe it or not. Picture Why? Andy because Sandberg's it looks butt. like a face you without can. eyes. Well, I've never seen Andy Samberg's butt. Oh, but I, I bet mean, that you've seen the shape of it, which is what you say is the funny part. Yeah, that's true. It's funny. Absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> what are you? I. What's going on? <laughs> you said his butt wasn't funny. First, you said you hadn't seen his butt. You told then me you to picture his funny, butt. I thought funny. you were saying like picture yeah. his naked butt as opposed to his naked mouth. These are all just you're clearly just trying to uh, what's the word distract us from actually thinking about why the shape of the butt is funny. As I've said many times, it's because the all ear is very funny. Again, a similar shape to the butt. Round sticks out. Well, Dave, uh, is are, it all funny to you? Is it all just 
where do we no, draw the line? No, it's not. I told you a skull's not funny, but a nose and ears are funny shaped. They're not funny parts funny? of the body. They're funny shaped. I don't think a foot is funny, but you might. Yes, you have five funny. toes sticking out. You got a heel, an arch for some reason. Okay, well, now a butt has funny. an arch and a heel is similarly no. shaped to one of your butt cheeks. I, again, every every shape that you mention happens to be round and sticks out. It has like a kind of characteristic of a butt. And that's the end of my closing statement. Butt is funny shaped. Hmm. Heels, you don't. You're done. You've you've got oh, a yeah. I, face. I, I okay, think I was. You've rest. Gonna throw Dave a lifeline here. <clears throat> you think you were masterful in this debate, and I think that Dave was sputtering. Yeah, because <laughs> he, isn't that interesting? He even okay. when he's asked if he did well, he has to attack me. He it really is like there is a pettiness to Healy's debating and or at least like his take on things after we debate. I thought I'm sorry you feel that way. I think I killed you as soon as I pointed out that the butt is beautiful. God, he thinks he killed me. It's fascinating. I thought we both brought brought a lot of great points to the debate, and I enjoyed it. I feel differently. Apparently, you feel differently. I'm going to tell you my take on the debates, and I'm I'm a little bit surprised by Healy's. A little bit. (laughs) I thought that Dave was mostly dominant because I largely because it's sort of a softball. The top, but I think you did pretty well servicing it. I was impressed. (laughs) I thought a great (laughs) moment in the debate for Healy was how quickly he brought to mind Andy Samberg's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all knew it was going to be part of the debate. Look, the topic mouth. is the butt is funny shaped. You know we're going to talk about Andy Samberg's mouth at some point. <laughs> I was impressed by that because it's it really took me out of <clears throat> Dave's <laughs> argument <again laughs> for a minute. Yeah, but I got think me. at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, I I still feel after the hearing both sides of this debate that that the butt is shaped funny. So. I hope oh, you won't Healy's take that so too hard, Healy. <laughs> you know how I know that Healy is a sore loser is because, like, right now, in in what I'm feeling right now is like fear. Like, I feel like I'm a little <laughs> scared of what Healy's reaction is going to be based on our history of of post debate reaction. To okay, we're not in the same room. Just so the listener knows. Yeah, but I don't uh, mean like that. You're going to attack me. I mean that like you're gonna you're gonna be pissy about it. <laughs> When's the last time I was really pissy about a debate? Well, the first one, kind of, right? I mean, I look, when I think I win, I think I win. It's a subjective. We, the, the debate decisions are coming down from a moderator, Or was Dan. it the second one? I don't remember. Uh, the second one. And the second one. I'm free to disagree. I think one. a lot of lawyers, when they leave the Supreme Court, think they made the wrong decision, too. And mm. uh, that's my right. <laughs> Is that, this is not a scoring <laughs> system where I can no. be like, okay, Dave, congrats, it's 101 to right. 98. Uh, it's I not mean, like a basket went into a well, hoop here. No, but there's also nothing preventing you from actually saying, Dave, congrats, you did a good job. 
Like, but congrats you, on you could being awarded the win by Dan. You don't have I to say. I think Dave was sputtering <laughs> as your first reaction to the debate. You don't have to do that either, just because there's no objective scoring system. I'm trying to tell you how I react. Wow, you know? honest, healing. Honest. Yeah, you sure are, bud. Do you think you made a good case that the butt is shaped funny more than just from starting from the premise, the butt is shaped funny. You thought you added to people's intellectual understanding and more people agree that the butt is shaped funny now. I thought I did a pretty good job. I I also thought you did a very good job and I don't, you know, like, I don't know. I'd probably want to hear it back before I made like Mm, a -hmm. strong judgment about it because when you're in the actual debate, like, of course, mm-hmm. yeah. it's hard. It's to way judge. easier and to decide after when you're hearing it back, yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably listen to this I six did. or seven times. Just to of kill. course, really, I did Easily. like the the fallacy of description. I thought that was pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. What is that exactly? I forget. Oh, it was when you were, you just said what the butt is shaped like, right. and without really connecting that to why it's funny, you said it's round. Right, yes, but, it's got some fattiness. Okay, yes. but the thing you said that's that, not funny. But the the little theorem that you said, the fallacy of description, is that a real thing or is that something you made up? No, I'm making it up. Oh, that's come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I thought it was okay. Good. It's real. It's a real theorem. Does that change your mind? The butt's funny because it has a hole in it that shoots stuff out, including sound and smell. <laughs> That's why it's funny. The shape of it is just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can it be both? Can it be the hole yeah, is a factor and no, also the shape? No, it's. I, I, in fact, I, I'm glad that you didn't claim the hole as part of the shape, which you could have. But what's funny, actually, what's funny about it is that this beautiful structure has a volcanic, <laughs> you know, cave uh, emitting every kind of thing. That's funny. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's also funny to me. Yes, the contrast is what makes it funny, not the shape. The rounded shape of the bud is funny. Get out of here. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it. Well, whatever. We, and my argument that if the butt were a right angle, that would be funnier. It's true. <laughs> Healy gets his worked up about this is I think about in and of itself. We really. <laughs> Well, the game here is to get worked up about stupid stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> well, if that's the goal, then we're all winners, I think. 100%. Listeners, get worked up and let us hear about Go it off. strongly. Go oh, off. Oh, by the way, we got a lot of votes on McConaughey. Uh, U571 people voting oh. didn't know, didn't know. Yeah, I think it was largely didn't know. Wow. A lot of responses of like, I saw the movie. Wait, Healy, just I, take, sorry, go back a step. What were they voting on again? We uh, we debated about whether the movie U571, Matthew McConaughey was in right, it or not. Right. As I conceded at the beginning of the debate, I myself had seen the movie. But you and couldn't, couldn't remember, remember, right? And we, you asked uh, listeners, Dave, to write I to did? us and say, yes, you said, just give us subject line. New, didn't know. Hang on, I'm loading the emails here. Uh, I don't yes, remember didn't doing know, that. knew it, didn't know, no way he was in that movie, didn't know, pleasant surprise, didn't know, didn't know, huh. didn't know. That's some of the votes. Yeah, majority didn't know, but and that's a lot of them said they'd know. seen the movie. And he was in. The He's movie. the leading man. He's yeah, the leading <laughs> man in the movie. That's weird. Why was he so forgettable? Well, I'm gonna chalk that up to McConaughey's credit that uh, he what? buried himself in the film. And he was not McConaughey-ing, he was acting, you know? 
Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. one way to look at it, I guess. Yeah. In contrast to, like to Tom McConnell. Hanks or something. You're, you're saying sometimes you want to be memorable. Sometimes you want to be totally unmemorable. That if you're sometimes the role calls for you to play uh, the character. Uh, in this case, the character's name was. Hang on, somebody cover for me while I look it up. Uh, sometimes you play the character Lieutenant Andrew Tyler, and sometimes you're being, you know, the McConaughey presence. And uh, I think in this case, McConaughey chose to lose himself in the role of Lieutenant Andrew Tyler. There you go. All right. Kudos to him for that. As always, I think kudos I might watch to McConaughey. You're going to watch U571? Yeah. You'll have now fun. Now the debate's out. Yeah. Never seen it. Um, <sighs> I'm going to hey, watch well. in and of itself again just to get, <laughs> just to <laughs> just get, to get really <laughs> worked up. <laughs> God damn. Oh, those letters he makes the people read. Oh, God. I forgot about Mm-mm. that part. It's and so yet you're obnoxious. drawn to magic. You will go mm-hmm. to a magic show. You've I've definitely you magic seen show. magic it's, more I mean, recently I'll than anyone. Go here. with people to a magic show, mostly oh. just so that I can like get angry about it afterwards. Uh huh. Well, yeah. that's a pleasure, isn't it? I mean, that's, in some ways, yes, yes. Maybe that's what they're selling. I don't think that's what most magicians are, are going for. Is Dave, I <laughs> offer you a job at the, your current salary, but you're the um, magic reviewer for the Las Vegas uh, Star Ledger or whatever. You have to live in Las Vegas uh, reviewing all the new magic acts in Vegas. Uh, boy, that's tough. I don't think I so. I mean, I could see I, you being a sort of butcher of Broadway kind of. That could be great. You could win a Pulitzer Prize off. There. I could win a. That's what you're going. That's what you think could happen. <laughs> if there, I would think I could end I mean, up playing poker eighteen hours a day and like get really <laughs> getting depressed. Uh, Anything, uh, you know? I Emily Nussbaum know. doesn't do that. I don't. I think I got to turn that down. I don't think that's what I was okay, put on this okay. earth to do. I don't know. Wondering about it. I don't know. I've never met a more ferocious magic critic than you. <laughs> They're out Imagine there. Imagine the magician who gets a positive review. Oh, God. <laughs> Four stars from Dave King? What? I'm going to see this show. <laughs> but that would only be a magician who was like, Here's how I did it. There's a string. You're all idiots. It's obviously, it's the, you know, there's just the thing here. There's a door here. Does everybody see the door? That's how I did it. Stop clapping. It's not worth clapping. Is this your act? What act? What do you mean to act? You, as a magician that hates your audience for liking magic. (laughs) Okay. I'm listening. And you do a trick and then you show it to them and you're like, Right. Pretty disgusting. Don't you. clap. I you just have to if you have you just bought this. I bought this, this special thing. Something. It this costs eighty dollars and now I can do yeah. the trick over and over again. And look, see it has two sides. Do you see? That's all it is. It has two sides. It's not Isn't that sort of what Penn and Teller do? I don't know. Yeah, they're not as um somewhere they're not as hateful of their audience. They're having as a little more fun. Character. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Take us out of here. Yeah, let's just quickly. Quickly. <laughs> well, guys, yeah. I hope y'all had a kooky time on uh, the Dave Pro Dave Brigham's. <laughs> Next time you hear from us, I think we'll be more back to normal. Hope so. If you will. And um, I just hope you enjoyed this little reprieve or whatever you want to call it. Uh, 
Until next time, it's been The Great Debates. Truman had his wide house. The Great Debates is produced by Mark Caracello. The theme song was composed by Christopher Knight. The debaters are Steve Healy and Dave King. And the podcast is moderated by Dan Medina. Twelve years old, they put me in a suit. Forced me to marry a prostitute.